I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 239. and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Just because I'm a Christian and honestly have been since childhood, doesn't mean I won't go through dark places, deep suffering, or debilitating loss. And Micah Tyler's song, Even Then, reminds us that when we've come to the end of ourselves, God is with us even then. And there's there's a three-chapter contribution from a prophet named Habakkuk that this song reminds me of. And I can't wait to dive into scripture with you. But first, let's listen. Even when it feels like my world is shaking. this week by Pastor Craig Grishel called Hope in the Dark. It was a deeply personal account of suffering, his own, those he knows and loves, and uh, how we try to reconcile that suffering with our loving God. And the prophet Habakkuk had a similar conversation with God, and Craig pulls out some of the links to Habakkuk in his book. Some of the points I'm going to make um, come directly from his Uh, his points that he revealed in his book. And I encourage you to check the book out. I'll link to it in the show notes. And you can always find the show notes at my website, michellekneezat.com. This week's show notes can be found there at forward slash 239. Now, every week I use Bible interaction tool exercises to help make my time in God's word meaningful and productive. I call them bites and I share them with you every week. And I want you to know that the ones I share, I actually use. (laughs) And while I have a few, quite a few that I've used over the years, I've put together my top five bites in a one page resource just for you. So you can get that by subscribing at michellekneezat.com. So the bites I used this week were context. For those of you who've listened uh, any length of time, you know that's my favorite bite. But I mean, Habakkuk is three chapters. There's no need to merely study small sections of it without studying it in light of the whole. So read it in context. Read the whole thing. Uh, Repetition. I made it a point to read through all three chapters every day, which led me to the next bite, reading in various translations. So when you read it every day, it will help to mix it up a bit by reading it in different translations. 
Um, this will give you some fresh insight. Sometimes the translators use a different word that may jump out at you. You also uh, might look up and realize that you don't remember reading a word that you read, especially something that's very familiar. So reading in a various translations kind of tricks your brain into saying, hey, I've never read this before, and uh, you can retain a little bit better. I haven't used this next bite in a while, but sometimes I like to read to epic soundtracks playing in the background. And seriously, if you listen to an epic soundtrack while listening to Habakkuk, when God is describing how he's going to use the Babylonians to execute his judgment against his own people, or how God's going to judge the Babylonians later, oh my goodness, it changes the whole thing. It's like you can start to play the movie in your mind, and everything kind of starts to come to life. So I I encourage you, try this one. Uh, Just put on an epic soundtrack. Uh, You can... Uh, look that up on uh, YouTube or Spotify or Pandora, and then just start reading. Now, I also like to use uh, introductions and overviews. You can really get your bearings when you use introductions and overviews. I have a wonderful resource that I highly recommend for your library. It's called How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. It is a must-have for your library. It gives you orienting data, an overview, advice for reading the book, a walk through major sections, and the summary paragraph of how it all fits into the grand story of the Bible. But even if you don't have this book, I did find a great free resource online this week offered through the ministry of Pastor Chuck Swindoll. I will also link to in the show notes, and he just really lists out some of those very similar items uh, right there online for free. So another bite is uh, making lists. Now, I'm I'm a list maker. For some reason, uh, when I read verses, it just kind of helps me break them down. So I use the bite of making lists to help me process some things as I went through Habakkuk, especially as I slowed down and started asking a few questions in my own head. And then finally, utilizing an outside resource. You know, in my case this week, it was the book by Craig Gashel. I mentioned it earlier, Hope in the Dark. And while it's not a commentary or anything, it, it did help me consider Habakkuk through a different lens. And so I encourage you to do that, but only after you've read and prayed and pondered the scripture itself. All right, so let's jump in with a little bit of background information. Habakkuk was probably written around 640 to 615 BC, just before the fall of Assyria and the rise of Babylon. Some of your versions may call Babylon the the Chaldeans, the C-H-A-L-D-E-A-N-S, But God used Assyria to punish Israel in 722, and then now he was going to use Babylon to punish Assyria and Judah. And this prophecy itself would actually be fulfilled several decades after Habakkuk in 586. And you can really kind of see this. Um, You don't have to think too hard to understand that because of the way it's written and what Habakkuk is dealing with. I do find it interesting that Habakkuk's name means embrace like a wrestler. So it's no wonder that Habakkuk wrestles with some pretty big questions for God while hanging on to God's character through faith. Just ponder that for a minute. And I realized as I considered it all week that I want to embrace like a wrestler. I mean, God's not asking us to check our questions at the door and just blindly follow, but he does want us to embrace his character even while wrestling with really, really hard circumstances. So let's consider some of the big ideas that we will see in Habakkuk. The first four verses 
Habakkuk makes his first complaint. In fact, let's go ahead and read it. Um, Verse 2, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now, let's look at some of Habakkuk's complaints. Remember, remember I said I like to make lists. So um, first of all, he, his first complaint is that God doesn't seem to be listening. And then I kind of made a list of what God seems to be putting up with. All right. So he seems to be putting up with violence and injustice and wrongdoing and destruction and strife and conflict and perversion of justice and the wicked having the upper hand. He seems to not notice these things. Is it too bold to say that we could have some of the same complaints against God as Habakkuk? On a global and national scale, of course, we see these things. I mean, I live in Louisiana. We're not really known as the bastion of uprightness in our politics, for sure. But in our families and in our personal relationships, we see strife and conflict, sometimes even violence and perversion of justice. Um, We see people getting away with stuff, the wicked getting the upper hand. It's all around us. So before we examine this further, um, just know that I can kind of identify right now with Habakkuk. Can you? And now I want to see what Yahweh's answer is. I want to see what God's response is. So we're just here in verse 5 of chapter 1. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Habakkuk's thinking, oh, good, finally. And then God adds this. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. And then God goes on for another four verses to discuss how formidable, evil, and idolatrous these people really are. If I'm Habakkuk, I'm thinking, um, excuse me? I mean, let's think about this. Habakkuk knows that God is holy and that he has a perfect plan for um, the world. Uh, he has a perfect plan for what it should look like. I mean, he's set forth his laws. Um, he First of all, he created it in perfection. And then he's, and then when it was broken through sin, then he set forth laws. He looks around and, and, and Habakkuk looks around and he sees that it doesn't really match up with God and his plan. And he wonders what God plans to do about it. And then God, God's answer is, I'm going to pass judgment through people who display the very list of characteristics we listed earlier. <laughs> These awful things. So no wonder Habakkuk has to wrestle and embrace. You know, um, he does trust God and his character, but he's wrestling with his apparent lack of notice. And now let's see how he wrestles with what, in my mind, would be a thoroughly unsatisfactory answer. So verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish Your eyes, though, are too pure to look on evil. I added the though. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You know, what's interesting is that I think sometimes we're like, I get that I'm a sinner, but holy cow, you're going to let that happen? And so Habakkuk leads with what he knows about God. He is from everlasting. He is holy and he is personal. He says, my holy one. 
He is eternal and he does execute judgment. And, and he's obviously ordained the Babylonians to punish. But why in the world would you do it that way? Why are you silent, God, while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Why did my friend's parents have to die and the drunk driver who forever altered their lives through his wicked choices survive? Why did he get cancer? Why did she get cancer? He's living for you, serving you wholeheartedly, seeing miracles happen in your name. Like Habakkuk, though, we want we want to trust God's character. I'm obviously talking about someone in my mind, a friend of mine. That, um, But these are the questions that run through my mind, and these are the questions that run through our minds when we see all of the, the list that we made earlier impacting our lives, and God seems silent when we cry out for him. And we want to trust his character, but sometimes we just don't understand his methods. And we certainly don't have the answers that, that God even reveals to Habakkuk. I mean, to, to some degree, Habakkuk at least has an answer. He at least knows that what's coming is from God and uh, that God has a plan on the other side of it. But when our situations and outcomes don't line up with our expectations, may we be like Habakkuk and let our honest questions and our sincere doubts lead us closer to God than we ever have been before. Because as in Habakkuk's time, God is well aware of the situation, but his perspective is completely different than ours. So what are we to do? Well, I think we're called to do what Habakkuk does next. And that is wait. In verse one of chapter two, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what to answer when I am rebuked. Isn't that interesting? So um, different versions say it different ways, like what and what my answer will be once he gives his statement or I love this, but what to answer when I am rebuked. It's not, it reminds me of Job, right? Who are you to question me? Were you there? When I uh, set forth everything in the world in motion. So, um, but he's going to stand. Habakkuk's going to wait and he's going to watch. And he's on a rampart, which is a high security wall. And so he's actually positioning himself above the chaos to wait for God's reply. Because the chaos that he was describing was among his own people. And God's response was that he was going to bring the Babylonians in judgment of it. So it's almost like, What's coming is worse than what was already happening, and that's why uh, Habakkuk had the questions that he did. So when the Lord does reply, he asks Habakkuk to write the revelation down. And I love how Craig Rochelle encourages his readers to write down the revelation of God in journals. And I often encourage you you to do the same. But how many times do we rehearse our complaint and then perhaps even record our complaint in a journal, but never acknowledge or record the revelation of God? So I encourage you to do that. That's just a side note. So in verse three, God asks Habakkuk to wait and trust. He says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. You see, God's ways are not our ways and neither is his timing. So like Habakkuk, we must often wait and trust that God's intervention certainly will come. And in fact, here in the midst of Habakkuk comes a phrase that is repeated three times in the New Testament. It says, behold, his soul is puffed up. He's talking about the enemy. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. You see, God's describing the enemies, describing the wicked. They are proud and puffed up. And in contrast, the righteous live by faith. Wait, my child, he's telling Habakkuk. Wait, my child, he's telling you. The wicked really are doomed in time, and the righteous will live by their faithful trust in Yahweh. 
I couldn't help but notice as I repeatedly read Habakkuk a major contrast between the guilty people in verse 11 of chapter 1. God describes them as their own strength is their God. That's the characteristic he gives them. And then over here in chapter 2 where the righteous are characterized by faith in God. And maybe that's why he allows us to come so low. He wants us to walk in righteousness, in faith, not in idolatry of our own strength. And here's here's a free bite I forgot to mention at the top. You could follow the cross-references of this profound statement, the righteous will live by faith, and see where in the New Testament it's mentioned. It's in Romans 1.17 for the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And in Hebrews 10, verses 36 through 38, it says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So when we head back over to Habakkuk 2, I wish I could do a whole podcast just on the um, cross-references. We have a lot we could have said about that, but you can use that in your studies this week. But when we head back over to Habakkuk 2, we see God actually does see. He's heard the cry of a people calling for help, and he shows specifically how nothing has gotten past him, and he has an answer for each one. I encourage you to explore this section slowly. I want you to see God's very specific response. And remember, when we're asking God, why aren't you doing something? We're asking God to reconcile with what we believe, with what we see in front of us. And like God's answer to Habakkuk, we don't see the not yet. And uh, we're, we're gonna if we're going to model ourselves a uh, like Habakkuk and ask, then we need to take it a step further and wait for the answer and actually position ourselves and our perspectives above the mess to sincerely wait for his answer. Will you continue in the habit of opening God's word and listening, allowing him to reveal himself to you and in the midst of it, perhaps giving you the very thing you seek, that answer that you seek Do we dismiss the answer because it doesn't match what we're hoping for? Can we still trust him or will we we turn and worship the God of our own strength? And how has that been working for you, by the way? (laughs) So let's take a note from Habakkuk and lean into the hardship and wrestle with God as to how he might use it for his purposes. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't until the next generation that God fulfilled his promise to punish the Babylonians. That's a long time to wait. Can we be faithful to trust God for that long? So now we come to the reason I actually chose Habakkuk to go along with our song this week. Historians aren't sure, but they think that this prophet may have actually been a Levitical priest involved with worship at the temple because at the end of Habakkuk, you see that he asks for it to be set to music. But Habakkuk does hear what I long to make a habit of in my life. He rehearses the good character of God and his good acts and his good intentions. And he doesn't end on a complaint, but he ends on praise and statements of trust. You could join Habakkuk as you read God's word and say, as in verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. 
Yes, Lord, make them known in our time. So beginning in verse 16, he declares, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. In other words, while I'm waiting for the promises of God, and though everything else seems to be falling apart, even then, even then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I don't have to rejoice in my circumstances because they're terrible, but God is not. So even then I will rejoice in him. And I I hope that you will sew this into the fabric of your memory in context of all we've learned today. When Habakkuk says the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So in the words of Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, Habakkuk carries on the biblical story in grand fashion that the creator, redeemer God will do something about human iniquity and suffering while his people live in hope and with faithful trust in him. So what's next? Well, read Habakkuk for yourself, of course. (laughs) So write down some observations and then read it again. Perhaps you can jot down your own complaint and questions for God. He can handle it. Seek him and allow him to give you his answers and the faith to wait patiently for them to be delivered in his time. And when your world seems to be falling apart, remember, even then he is your strength and will enable you to tread on the heights. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page or now Instagram uh, at michellekneezat. So let's talk about what you're learning there. And before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And now I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Amelia from Finland, Melissa from British Columbia, Canada, Abigail from Mexico, Vicky from Arkansas, Wanjiru from Kenya, Gerald from Texas, Kanhisiwa from uh, South Africa, Simone from Maryland, Gail from Louisiana, Brittany from Georgia, and Rhonda from Texas. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website, they will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used in the podcast. I mentioned that earlier. It's a really great place to start. And subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. 
There are so many ways to listen to the podcast these days. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And you can also subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, if you're in iTunes, would you leave me a written review or star rating? This not only encourages me, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using No Matter What by Ryan Stevenson to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 239. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.